Welcome to Finding the Keys, Conversations on Self-Care for Parents. I'm your host, therapist and coach, Dr. Christine Forte-Klotz. Finding the Keys is not your typical parenting podcast. You won't find instructions or advice here on how to raise your kids. Instead, this podcast is about you as a parent, as a person. We cover real life practices for managing overwhelm, taking care of our health in mind, body, spirit, and embracing the chaos along with the joy that parenting brings. Through the interviews and insights shared, we navigate finding the keys to balance in life, work, and beyond. So join me. Let's get started. On today's episode, we have Matt Schneider of City Dads joining us for a conversation on life balance, not only for individuals, but also for within the family system as a whole. We'll talk about how both parents can think about their self-care, and then also, hopefully, without generalizing too much, we'll get into some gender differences, particularly around maternal gatekeeping, around how postpartum can present differently in each parent, or how moms and dads at times focus on different areas when they're feeling stressed. Along with this, we'll look at some ways that each partner can be helpful to the other. I'm really excited to have Matt here for our first episode because as we talk about during the interview, I really do hope that this podcast can be a resource to all parents, both mothers, fathers, and those who might identify otherwise. And I also want at this moment to recognize that while some of our examples and experiences refer to heteronormative families, we do hope to be inclusive of all genders, sexual orientations, and family compositions. There is just such a range of human experience when it comes to families, couples, parenting. And so as on all aspects of this show, I would encourage listeners to reach out and to share their experiences, particularly if those might be different from what we're talking about here, or likewise, if they're similar and and if this really resonates with you. I know that I have so much to learn from all of you. And so now, without further ado, let's welcome Matt. Well, hi, Matt, and, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me here today on the Finding the Keys podcast. And I'm really looking forward to hearing from you a bit more about City Dads and kind of how it got started and and why it got started. So if if you would wanna start there. Yes, definitely. Uh, It goes back to the days when I was a teacher. I met a buddy, Lance. We were teachers together at PS86 in the Bronx. And I decided to take what I thought would be a year off from teaching when my first son was born. And three years later, I was still home, and Lance, in, in his words, followed in my footsteps to be home when, when his son was born, uh, and our same time that our second was coming along. His wife went back to work after maternity leave, and he called me up and said, what have you been doing in New York City all this time? Everything is for mom. Mommy and me play groups, and mommy and me music class, art class, yoga class. Uh, there's nothing for dads. And I said, I've been hanging out with a lot of moms and some nannies. Uh, hadn't thought that much about it. Thankfully, he uh, more social, more extroverted, and, and knew we'd be hanging out together. So, uh, said, "Let's let's try to find some other dads that'll hang out with us." So he he was really the one who posted NYC dads on Meetup. That was November 2008, and we thought it would be other at-home dads that could 
hang out in Central Park on a Wednesday morning. It turned out pretty quickly that uh, it wasn't just at-home dads that wanted to find community and meet other uh, dads. Working dads kind of, of all stripes also wanted community. So we, we pivoted pretty quickly and then our meetup has really been open to, to dads of all stripes ever since. Wow. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, and, and from what I understand about it, it really is such an important resource to dads in, in New York. And are you also in other cities now or primarily New York? Yeah. So fast forward uh, about yeah. five years, uh, we, we had had other guys from around the country ask us for advice about starting groups. And, and we answered those questions over time. And at some point, we got enough questions and realized that we, we could probably do better than giving advice. We could really invest in groups in other cities, follow what we had learned in New York, and try this out in some other cities. Uh, so some guys on the ground in Chicago and some guys on the ground in Los Angeles said, we'll start the next groups. Around the same time, we said, this is an, a nationwide thing. Let's, let's start City Dads Group as kind of an umbrella organization. 41 groups later, 40 in the U.S. and one in Toronto, Canada. That's wonderful and, and impressive. I mean, incredible growth of an organization. Over uh, how many years, did you say? Uh, so we started in 2008. It's about 2013 that we launched City Dads Group. Wow. Oh, that's just amazing. And I can imagine it must just really be such a resource to really at this point, thousands and thousands of, of fathers. It's, uh, I believe, 22,000 plus across across all of our groups, which uh, sounds like a lot at first. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more dads that we could be reaching right now, so we have plenty of work to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's been a great resource. It's a great way to, to meet other dads and to, to meet other families. And I also like to say it's a great way to experience the cities that we live in. We The cities are part of our group. The New York experience has, has really uh, brought people out. We get offered tickets to Broadway shows for, for families or we're at the Bronx Zoo for a Halloween party. Like that'll bring mm -hmm. people from all over the city uh, to mm -hmm. come out and hang out with other dads and their kids. Well, that's just wonderful. I mean, it sounds like, you know, something that going back to what you described about your experience when your children were small, that you had kind of immediately sought out the activities and the yoga and, you know, kind of just different things to be able to do with them. And it sounds like within that, there was a sense of really seeking out community that you kind of maybe immediately recognized that that was important to you and something that was needed. Could you tell me a little bit more about, you know, kind of your thought process on that or what that was, you know, kind of what led up to that for you? Well, depends on how you look at it. You can optimistically okay. or pessimistically, the mom's group in my neighborhood uh, does not allow dads to join. So that oh. community was uh, kind of off limits to, to dads, but, that was both encouragement and, and, and reason to, mm -hmm. to start a group of our own in New York City. Mm -hmm. And it does turn out to be different hanging out with a group of dads than a group mm -hmm. of moms. And I would say mm -hmm. that the conversation isn't necessarily different. We're still talking about uh, what's mm -hmm. in our diaper bag or what kind of stroller we're pushing mm -hmm. or where we're taking our kids, what our kids are eating, what preschools our kids are going to. But it's nice to hear it from other dads. As you may know, moms can do a little gatekeeping when it comes to some of these conversations. And I was just yeah. thinking that word. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that's a, that's a yeah. big topic yeah. in, in our world. 
Okay. Sometimes it's it's easy to kind of mm. let go when, mm-hmm. when the gate gets closed in your face. So to kind of not just accept the maternal gatekeeping as status quo, but to say, hold on, I'm I'm here. I'm a partner in this. Um, well, and obviously that's both good for us as dads and good mm. for our partners. Um, it may seem okay at that moment to say, yeah, if you're going to take care of all this, take care of it. But that obviously... Mm. The domino effect of that over time, why we, we're still having too many conversations about why moms are carrying so much of the burden mm-hmm. of parenting, um, mm-hmm. both the physical labor and the mental labor of, of parenting still lands on the shoulders of moms. And one mm-hmm. of the reasons starts at the beginning when we're going through kind of how do we th- both figure out how to handle some of these responsibilities. If one parent mm-hmm. becomes the expert and one parent sits in the back and just waits for to be told which things to do, then obviously mm-hmm. uh, that, that creates a paradigm that's hard to get out of. Yeah, that that pattern kind of continues. Yeah, which is actually a big part of why I, I wanted to uh, have you here to, to speak with us today. Um, because even just in, you know, kind of, you know, that this is a podcast that I'm launching. And so it's new. And I'm at the stage still of researching a lot of guests that I might talk to. And even just in that process, really, you know, a lot of what I come across is geared towards mothers. And so even though, I, of course, I already was aware of, you know, kind of the maternal gatekeeping and kind of how so many things are mommy and me and all of that. But even just that process kind of brought it home again of like, all right, it genuinely can be a bit harder to find resources that really are, are either equally geared towards both parents or even, you know, kind of specialize in um, addressing the needs of fathers. But I think it is so important because even what you talk about, like the conversations in the communities of where you're talking about, you know, changing diapers or the children's activities or things like this, I I find that all too often fathers are excluded from those conversations. I mean, it's, and the expectations just aren't there. The moms have, Mm -hmm. are expected the the pressure Mm -hmm. that moms, not to speak for, for moms, but often they put a lot of pressure on themselves to be good Mm -hmm. at everything parenting related. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, they, Mm -hmm. they are not feeling good. And obviously the pressure from society on moms is different than the pressure on dads. Mm-hmm. We're the heroes. If, if we're, we take our three kids to the grocery store, we're seen as these heroes that have somehow mm-hmm. accomplished something amazing. And the mom mm-hmm. takes her kids to the grocery store that they're not really seen as, as heroes. So uh, yeah. we, we see that. We see that. And mm-hmm. a lot of us recognize that that's, it's not fair within a relationship. It's not fair at a societal level. And there's a lot of us mm-hmm. out there that are trying to uh, erase that stigma, both of we can't mm-hmm. do it, but also mm-hmm. we're heroic. We do even the, the simplest of tasks. So trying to kind of rebalance that sum and, and maybe make sure that, I don't know, heroism on both sides can be seen. Because well, uh, we don't necessarily want to... Well. I- taking three kids to the grocery store i know to me to me i only have two so i always i only have uh, two i don't know why i said by people who do more (laughs) we're all heroes for getting through the day at this point but uh yes i think it's we all deserve a lot of acknowledgement uh as parents Mm -hmm. for figuring things out but so many dads whether we're home full-time whether we're home part-time or whether we're home 
after working hours, so many of us are accomplishing the same types of things that moms are accomplishing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And, you know, our focus here is really on, I guess, kind of looking at at self-care. And I find it's interesting, you know, kind of all these different dynamics that we're just talking about, how they fit in to self-care. You know, even just what you're talking about there in the a moment ago in kind of the balance within the home of who's doing what or who's recognized for it. Is that something that you've kind of also observed of like, all right, how each parent can take care of themselves and attend to that or? Right. Well, I think it's directly related. If it's Saturday morning, you're both home and only one parent is able to competently care for the kids. Mm-hmm. then that other that parent is never going to be able to take time for self-care. But if both mm-hmm. parents are capable and, and caring, then hopefully both of you can take some time for, for self-care. And every relationship is different, but developing that, that sense that we're a team and we both, we've both got this on a Saturday mm-hmm. morning, you go take a run or go to yoga class, you mm-hmm. go get a haircut, go meet a friend, each of you kind of switch off. Um, in, in mm-hmm. terms of, of taking on those parenting responsibilities. And I think that's where it starts. If you can't get even to the simplest of a few hours away from your family, your kids, then then self-care mm-hmm. seems to me impossible. And I say this from the perspective of an at-home dad. I, I'm kind of the reverse of what a lot of women experience. My wife is fantastic in every way, and, and we're partners. Wow. And um, mm-hmm. seven. we've been married for 20 years and had children for 17 and it's a constant negotiation and communication on making sure that we each get time for ourselves i was the gatekeeper mm-hmm. at the beginning especially at the beginning uh-huh. when when our child mm-hmm. children were the youngest i i always point back to my wife getting my oldest max dressed early one morning i was still mm-hmm. sleeping one of the moments mm-hmm. I, I was sleeping later and she got up early um and i she put a t-shirt on that I clearly put at the bottom of of the pile. It was not a t-shirt that I wanted in the rotation anymore, but she pulled it out. And the look that I gave her, not great. And the, her response was, of course, I can't even pick out a t-shirt for him to wear on a Saturday morning. And you expect me to be the mom that I want to be. So it was a real, these wake up calls and and recognizing that each of us wants to be a good parent and wants to be able to make simple, especially simple decisions without being judged by the other parent. And it really can work both ways. And I certainly don't judge moms for, for gatekeeping because I'm, I'm, I I have been over time. My wife might say now I'm, I'm still a gatekeeper, but I think Mm -hmm. that that's the starting point, but also we're talking about, I'm sure you know, know about kind of the mental load conversation that's mm-hmm. happening with a lot of women and moms these days. And for me, I'm, I'm the one who carries the mental load of a lot of the things around our house. And if that's not shared, that be- can become overwhelming. And again, if one person is taking on all of the planning, all of the list making, all of the doctor's mm. appointments, travel planning, everything else, how could he or she have time for, for self-care? Uh, if mm-hmm. you're not sharing that load, and it takes real intention and, and communication over time. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, and, and it's interesting, you know, kind of how you mentioned that, well, I I'm, I'm certainly don't want to judge anyone that, you know, done gatekeeping. Um, and I, I think that's such a, a wonderful point because you're right. We aren't in having this discussion here to judge anyone. Um, and in fact, what I often have, you know, kind of observed in my therapy practice is that where 
there is a lot of gatekeeping happening, it often can come from a, a place of anxiety, either that sometimes started like as early as postpartum or that has, you know, kind of come from, I'm not sure I can count on, you know, some of the people around me in terms of having enough support. And that, that that's, you know, then leads into, well, I have to hold on to all of this very tightly. Ooh, and I'm, there are there are plenty of dads out there that that aren't doing their fair share. And that, that's, mm -hmm. that I don't mean to, certainly this conversation has nothing to do with the other parents being mm -hmm. just waiting to, to jump in and they're being pushed away. It's, it's a real negotiation, yeah. a lot of communication. Well, and, and what I was kind of then thinking with that is, you know, for, I guess, since for a lot of moms where there's anxiety, it might lead into some of that sort of overly uh, protective behavior. I'm curious, you know, with dads, if how you might see anxiety come through you know, if it does come through similarly, or if you see different things happening, because I think certainly something that we're becoming more and more aware of is, you know, postpartum mental health issues in men um, and how there can be anxiety or depression present there. Do you see that? I mean, just, you know, I, I know that you aren't uh, commenting necessarily like as a mental health professional, but just from what you've seen in your community, kind of how that might manifest. Yeah, I'm definitely not any sort of mental health professional. So um, I would We've say- We've done that caveat. <laughs> yes, exactly. But. I would say that certainly with any time you take on more of the responsibility and, and mm -hmm. take on more of kind of the thought of, of what you're looking to do with your family and what mm -hmm. you hope for your children, living up to those expectations, that, that leaves you open for thought about how you're doing. Uh, but I think mm -hmm. it, part of it goes back to the expectations on dads are so different that we're out on the playground and our kid is getting messy. Nobody's judging dad for that, where moms might feel some pressure for, for having messy kids or kids that are that are un perceived as unkempt. Or even if a dad is out on the playground and somebody's judging that kid, they're certainly they're probably saying, where's mom? Like, wh how did mom mm -hmm. let let that kid out of the house looking like that? Mm -hmm. So. So the expectations, I think, are different, of course, and that, that can be part of the mental health discussion or the, the feelings that, that uh, dads have or don't have. But I think the expectations of, of ourselves, the expectations that our partners have for us, and even the expectations that society is starting to have for us really are getting raised. So working a dad that's working 80 hours a week certainly is not feeling good about that. If they want to really be a good dad, they're not feeling good about that. So that contributes certainly to uh, their own uh, satisfaction and feelings of, of being the dad that they want to be. And that's, we really mm. try to bring dads into those conversations. Women have been trying to, to navigate work life, for example, for, for decades uh, since um. women entered the workforce in mass, especially mm. professional environments. Women have, have been talking about work-life issues for all of this time. And it's only recently that men said, oh, wait, I'd like to take time off when my, my we have lives baby too. is born. We would, I would mm. like to have a life outside mm -hmm. of work. Yeah. Um, and workplaces are not kind to either parent. Moms, mm. of course, there's a penalty. Dads, mm -hmm. it's not viewed as a penalty. Dads actually are they're treated potentially better uh, in the mm. sense that they're less likely to leave because they need to keep that job. They're more likely mm. to work harder because they need to make more money. 
So workplaces, and there's all sorts of studies out there that are suggesting that dads are, they actually work more hours per week after a baby is born. That doesn't help you get to those goals of being the dad that you want to be and pursuing the career that you want to have. There's kind of, I guess, that conflict maybe between the traditional role that fathers might be seen to have as a provider versus, you know, wanting to also have a role as a a nurturer and a caretaker and, you know, to get to really participate personally. Exactly. And that what the definition of providing, I think, has changed dramatically. I've, I've said for many years now, this is the best time in the history of the world to be a dad, because it means a lot more than being the breadwinner and being the disciplinarian. Like we mm. now can be so much more as, as parents. And that's really satisfying for a lot of dads. And mm. I think the new generation of dads is seeing that. And, and we can see from a lot of what's happening in, in workplaces. They're looking for something different in their jobs than generations uh, past have, have required. And men and women seem to be participating in those conversations. Uh, if, you, if you talk to somebody who's been doing this even longer than I have, you might suggest that many generations have started off wanting equality and wanting both genders kind of on the same page. The world pushes us towards some of these traditional gender roles I, I was much more optimistic about kind of the progress of egalitarianism and men and women, moms and dads mm. pursuing and, and getting to a more equal relationship. And then the pandemic hit and all the data suggests, of course, that moms are the ones that uh, took steps back from their career many more mm. and much more, much more than yeah. dads ever did or did over the last few years. So it's, it's tough to kind of mm-hmm. battle these, these gender norms that uh, continue to keep coming back at us. Yeah, no, and, and certainly it, it does seem, you know, I've, I've kind of probably read a lot of the same reports and, and articles that you have about, you know, where that burden has, has really largely fallen over the last couple of years. But something that I kind of wondered about quite a bit with it if is if there's any element and again this is of course as a therapist always thinking into the psychological but if sometimes that sense of anxiety or uncertainty for men tends to almost kind of like drive them in a direction to look outside of the home of like kind of what can I do you know for my family again either like as a provider or to kind of secure resources or or just in general, like the anxiety kind of manifests in, I, I have to somehow move outwards from this. And I don't, I don't know if that's something that just in thinking of what you might have seen in your community, or yeah. if you feel like there's any truth to that. Yeah, it's kind of a chicken and egg situation. I think dads tend, if they are the primary breadwinner for their families, the, the pressure mm-hmm. of that is high. So, but in more and more cases, like I said, they want to be active and engaged as fathers. Mm-hmm. So the anxiety of trying to find that balance, the conflict that, that you referenced, a lot of studies out there say that men's work-life conflict is even higher than, than women's, uh, mainly mm-hmm. because I think, because we haven't, we haven't been practicing. We're only mm-hmm. now starting to uh, think about it, but um, I don't know that we are looking outside for for ways to contribute rather than feeling that is such an important piece of our role uh, 
that mm-hmm. at workplaces aren't supporting dads in being the dads that they want to be. They're not supporting any mm-hmm. of us in being mm-hmm. the humans that we want to be. And mm-hmm. if at home we're not able for whatever reason, there's a barrier to being kind of the parent that that we want to be. That certainly creates a lot of anxiety and conflict um, as you take stock of of your life and your various roles and who you want to be. Um, more and more dads are saying, I want to be active and engaged. And if that's those barriers standing in the way can really cause a lot of conflict. Yeah, no. And that's that's such a good point that you make about how in a lot of areas, this might not even have been examined yet. I did my doctoral research on kind of the development of maternal identity and specifically maternal self-efficacy. Even that term, maternal self-efficacy, like if I try to think about, you know, did I come across any research on paternal self-efficacy? I'm not sure that's even, you know, something that is a term. I don't, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I imagine it must exist, but I certainly didn't come across anything about it. Yeah, no, I was looking up at my bookshelf. There's a, an author named Paul Rayburn that that wrote a whole book about the lack of science about fathers and and very few studies over time have been done about fatherhood and men being uh, nurturers and men being parents. And the, that that is changing, of course. But if you look back through the decades, uh, very little research has, has included uh, fathers. Parenting research uh, is about mothers and, and, and how mothers react to the various aspects of parenting because fathers were not considered active and engaged parents. And so why, why would we study fathers that uh, mm-hmm. when it, it's not really relevant? And I, mm-hmm. I do think that that is changing. No, and, and that makes sense that this hasn't been kind of examined before, but that these, hopefully these definitions are changing now. And, and perhaps also, you know, largely to a credit of organizations like yours that are saying, okay, let's make sure that we can kind of provide resources also for fathers and, you know, in the, the, not just for them, but in kind of the larger interests of a balanced family. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think part of the reason I find this work so interesting and, and the reason that we've been around now for almost 14 years doing this is because we're not looking to create a separate world for fathers. We're not mm-hmm. looking to right. create separate, all separate resources or separate conversations where mm-hmm. I regularly say, let's join moms in in these conversations that are so important Um, and I think Mm -hmm. that uh, really resonates with people because it sometimes you talk about dads and and some of these conversations are kind of third rail conversations and men who have chips on their shoulder for not being going through a divorce or going through the the court system Mm -hmm. or or being Mm -hmm. estranged from their families that kind of takes has taken a lot of the air in conversations about fatherhood and these kinds of conversations that we're having, I think, are really important because we do care about being good parenting partners. Mm-hmm. We do care mm-hmm. about being good parents. We mm-hmm. care about being good to ourselves as well and, mm-hmm. and, and pursuing mm-hmm. various roles that we have. So I, I do think we're making progress. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. Do you find, uh, you know, kind of with your organization that there might be a particular point in their sort of fatherhood identity development or particular reasons that men might seek you out? Or is there a whole spectrum? And what have you noticed about that? 
Yeah, it's actually, it's changed over time. I remember the initial, especially back in 2008, when people joining our group, we had a, a little form to fill out on Meetup that asks you, how did you find out about the group? And nine, nine times out of 10, more likely than not, it said, my wife told me about it. My wife pushed me towards this. My wife sent me the link. That was for all of the different things that we were doing. We've had workshops over time and in different types of classes. Um, it was moms found this and said, hey, this is, this is for you. And I think more recently. Okay, so you get a lot of referrals from moms. Originally, and I think okay. now those forms are filled out and men themselves are finding us. Men themselves are, are looking at the resources out there. They mm -hmm. see what mo their partners are experiencing with the parent group that they're part of, and they want that for themselves mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. In, my, in an ideal world, we would be having these groups together and uh, having these conversations together. Uh, but mm -hmm. I do think that there has been value in, in dads having some of these conversations and, and learning from each other. It's, uh, it's amazing the different mm -hmm. types of dads that we bring into a room together. And I actually don't call us a support group. I, I call us more of a social group and we right. support each other. But yeah. the, the framing is let's be social and, and mm -hmm. connect and, and then we can mm -hmm. find that common ground and mm -hmm. that kind of single thread of fatherhood seems to be enough to, to bring guys from all different walks of life. Doing this in New York City has been such a, a pleasure and treasure for me because I've mm -hmm. met people and been all over the five boroughs and, and beyond really meeting dads and, and learning about dads uh, mm -hmm. of all stripes and, and learning their stories and we are having different experiences. Cultural differences mm -hmm. can really change the way men experience fatherhood. It has been great. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's wonderful that there is, you know, this resource available and, and this group available. I mean, I, I heard you specify, you know, it's not a, a support group. It is a social group. But I do find that when it comes to self-care, community and having strong connections such an important piece of that, you know, that I think right. particularly for parents of tiny children and, and maybe even more particularly during the pandemic, there's just been so much isolation, you know, and, and so when it comes to kind of feeling emotionally balanced, you know, being able to connect with others who have maybe experienced similar things is just invaluable. Right. And men seem to be particularly bad at maintaining friendships over time. We have guys that come out to mm. our meetups that say they haven't been out on their own uh, for mm. years, two years, three years, four oh, years. Gosh. And they, they aren't taking that time to connect with friends. Mm. We've gone, kind of gone from the men in the 50s. My grandfather spent every Saturday and every Sunday playing golf and, and hanging out with his buddies after working full time during the week. And we've kind of gone in the all the way in the other direction to men have work, they have their family, and there's no time for anything else. And again, mm. an opportunity to learn from women to say, I see that you're able to work and you're able mm. to be the mother that you want to be and you're able mm. to maintain friendships. How, how are you doing that? What goes into creating those relationships? And I think a dad's group, for whatever reason, tends to be more palatable for people to, for you know, the idea of men getting together. I, I've said for a long time that kind of men getting together uh, in groups at some point became something negative. Mm -hmm. what's, happen what's happening in those groups? Mm -hmm. What are they doing? Mm -hmm. What are they talking about? 
kind of coming together in the in the guise of we're all dads and we're all mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. social uh, talking about our kids people have mm-hmm. said yeah that sounds great so a, a partner might say yes go out to your dad's group but no you're not going out to play golf Okay. So you've, I guess, kind of in hearing some of the father's side, it seems that there are, I guess, times when certain activities spent outside the home might somehow stir up resentment, but other ones might not. Well, and I, yeah. I, is that I, kind of what you mean? Or? I think it's, it, part, part of it is resentment, but part of it is also guilt on the dad's part. Like if I've been working all week and on a Thursday night, I can go home to my family or I can go meet the dads in my dad's group for a beer, what are you going to choose? I mean, moms and dads feel that guilt that maybe, I mean, maybe I shouldn't go out. Maybe I should go home to my family, but we know uh, that we, we need both. We need time to ourselves. We need time to connect with, with other people and we need time with our family. And that's kind of mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. the struggle that uh, men and women have. Yeah. That we have to, fill our own cup first, not to make a pun on the drinking reference, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but that we have to kind of make sure our energy is replenished to be able to then give to others in a way that's meaningful. Yeah. And I do think that uh, I'm seeing more and more men learning that. I think the pandemic helped us all take a step back to take a new look at the lives that we want to lead. And so many men and women are not commuting anymore. So is adding hours to, to people's mm-hmm. day that they can mm-hmm. spend with their family, but also mm-hmm. take care of themselves. Health yeah. routines seem to be improving, increasing. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the pandemic largely negative, but also has uh, shined a light on or given people some opportunities to rethink the way that they want to live and, and mm-hmm. be in this world. Kind of how schedules are structured or... Yeah. Although I guess the flip side to the, while of course not commuting and saving all those hours is wonderful. The flip side, I think can be some of the greater isolation, but that probably also depends on the nature of someone's work. I mean, maybe, maybe some people even commuting might not feel that a lot of social needs are met in the office anyway. I don't know. It probably varies quite a bit. Yeah. I do think that not being in the office definitely uh, impacts people and that that social element is missing for a lot of people but I, yeah i don't think commuting was necessarily a positive social experience no, no. <laughs> Spend, spending time like kind of sardined into a subway yeah. car isn't the kind yeah, of social exactly. we're looking for i guess right well so with all this discussion of social things uh, could i ask you know in in particular what sort of activities do you all do well, I, I do want to say and acknowledge that the pandemic has not been kind to our, our 41 groups with our goal of bringing people together in real life, um, yeah, obviously, was very challenging. Yeah. And the, the guys running our groups are, are volunteers. Right. Some of them are, are at-home dads, and mm-hmm. obviously taking care of their family became or was already number one, but uh, the time that that took. Uh, was mm-hmm. huge and certainly mm-hmm. working dad there are working dads that are running our groups also that obviously right. the focus was just on survival i've, I've com- kind of compared it to maslow's hierarchy of needs like yeah. there were yeah a, there was a long time where taking care of ourselves and our family was was taking all of our time so Absolutely. thinking about community and running these dads groups was was hard 
Um, mm-hmm. But we're, we're, we're starting to exit that and, and 41 cities are all having, we have local teams on the ground running these groups. So in some cities, they're back to meeting many times a week. Their dads are on the playground at 10 a.m. for the, the at-home dads or they're going to the newest beer garden having a beer together. Or uh, we have a group of dads that, that meets on Zoom for a book club. They meet every two weeks. In New York, we've been getting we get invitations to Broadway shows for our kids, which is is amazing. Uh, Fifty mm-hmm. pairs of tickets to for a lot of guys taking their kids to their first Broadway show. Mm-hmm. We've we've really run the the gamut over time. Sometimes it's dads on our own. Sometimes it's dads mm-hmm. hanging out with our kids, and some it's even date nights. We've we've created game nights as dates, bringing our our partners with us um, and, and mm-hmm. experiencing having kind of these couple experiences over time for whoever's listening looking this may not be what it is right now in the city that you're in but certainly the goal in all of our cities is to really create this kind of diversity of experiences and and really um, have awesome ways for dads to connect with each other and and have their Mm -hmm. families connect oh that's wonderful it sounds like there's kind of this unfolding of hopefully a lot of new activities and and meetups happening Um, and that's part of the thought even in in starting this kind of these conversations about self-care at this time is that as things are reopening so much like all right let's kind of also be thoughtful in in how we're taking care of ourselves during that time and in choosing you know what we dedicate our energy to Um, but it sounds like a lot of worthwhile things that will be happening there that is the intention, and I think that yeah, our guys around the country are are recognizing that that feeling of emergency is is largely past, and they they have some brain space to open up to thinking about this wider community that they want to get back to. Well, that is just fantastic. Well, I want to thank you again for for coming on to speak with me today, and I'm really looking forward to kind of hearing you know, what you guys are up to in the coming months. So please do keep us posted. And, you know, if if there's things that you think could be useful to the community here, you know, don't hesitate to to share that information. Well, absolutely. And thank you for uh, bringing together men and women for these conversations. It's, uh, like I said, I think we have a lot to learn from each other. And then we all have very similar needs in terms of what we need from community, what we need to do for ourselves. And uh, I think there's a big benefit to coming together to have these conversations. We've reached the part of the episode where normally I'll be taking a listener question. But since this is our first episode, I don't yet have one. And so I thought instead I'd speak to a topic that I'm frequently asked about by clients and which dovetails as well with some of what Matt and I were discussing related to postpartum depression in men. This is an issue which I have found is often under-recognized and under-addressed, largely because there is just so little awareness around it. So I did want to take a moment now to hopefully increase our awareness a bit and speak about it in a bit more detail. What I've found is that healthcare providers are often not expecting to have to screen for postpartum mental health issues in men And so they may be completely overlooked, even by the men experiencing them. They may notice distress or irritability or other symptoms, but not put it together 
that actually what's going on is depression or anxiety. Screening by obstetricians and pediatricians for mental health issues postpartum focus solely on mothers currently. However, the recent research has shown us that one in 10 new dads struggle with postpartum anxiety and depression. So actually, it is not an uncommon experience. A number of different factors have been identified as influencing the onset of paternal depression, including hormonal changes. Yes, dads also experience hormonal changes, just like moms. A partner experiencing depression, feeling a sense of disconnection from the mother or the baby, a personal or family history of depression, sleep deprivation, people with sleep deprivation, people often really underestimate the extent to which that can impact their mental health, along with the emotional adjustment to being a parent. This is a tremendous shift that we go through psychologically and emotionally. Probably actually the largest identity shift that most of us experience in our lives is going from not being a parent to being a parent. So it makes sense that there can be quite a bit of distress that comes along with it. Paternal depression can begin either prior to the birth or after it, just as it can for mothers, and may feature some traditional depression symptoms, things that we tend to think of when we think of depression, such as feeling low, withdrawing from those around them, loss of motivation or interest, and disruptions to appetite or sleep. But it can also feature symptoms less commonly associated with depression, such as angry outbursts, increased impulsive behavior, increased drug or alcohol use, physical symptoms such as headaches or stomach aches, or at times working a lot more or a lot less. In my clinical experience, some of these less traditional symptoms further increase the chances that postpartum depression in men might go unrecognized and therefore untreated. And I find that this is such an important issue for us to work on better recognizing because the treatment of it is fundamental not only to improving the experience that the fathers are having, you know, to reducing their distress and increasing their ability to re-engage in life, uh, but also really to increase the quality of the bonding and the functioning of the entire family and of the ability of the parents to cope together with the changes that they're going through. Another note on what we've talked about here today regarding mental health issues. While I am providing some general information here from both research and from my clinical experience, of course, this isn't tailored to you or to your specific situation. So I would encourage that if you or someone close to you is experiencing some of what I've described here, please do seek advice from your mental health care provider. A big part of my goal in doing this podcast is to help people get connected to resources. So I certainly want to make sure that we do that here on this issue. Another place that you can find information about this is at Postpartum Support International. The link to that is found in the show notes. And there are so many ways that new parents can seek out community and support, even though there are also, I know, so many ways 
that being a new parent can feel isolating. So again, just wanting to serve as, as a reminder, as a voice in this journey that the path does not have to be walked entirely alone. Thank you all again for joining me here today. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you along with me on this journey. As always, I welcome your feedback and your questions. Please let me know what you want to hear about. Contact info is in the show notes. And also don't hesitate to share this episode with anyone you think would benefit from it. We'll be back next time with more.